We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is a great it's a great segue to the very next question from Thomas Lambers. Scale of one to a billion, how excited are you guys to talk about actual football once fall camp starts? Uh, 875,422. Well, that's way that's not even that's not even to a million. It's not even mm-hmm. close. That's not even, I said eight hundred thousand. I said eight hundred thousand. Yeah, but it's 000. one to a billion. Oh, a billion. I was doing a yeah. million. No, yeah. so, dude, that, Vince clearly is not all excited about my football no. analyst is not excited to talk about. I don't know if I football. wanted to. Say it out in public, I, I th- but I, I think, I'm quitting now. So I, 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 I think I think Vince, I think Vince said eight hundred million nine. Yeah, eight hundred million. That would be a thousand. Good yeah. save, Ryan. Uh, I'm I'm in a billion. I'm so ready to talk about football. Um, July is the worst sports month on the calendar, and I need real sports back. And football is the top of the list, and I need it back. And it'll yep. be here in a week. So. Yep. This time next week, we're going to be actually talking about a practice that we witnessed. So that is like, that is so exciting to me. Yep. All right. We got this question from Tommy Guns. This is a good, fair question. Brian, when you talk about generational players, do you mean in at, a, at their positions or regardless of position? If it's the latter, do you think this type of guys come around more often? For me, it's always positional mm-hmm. and rel- relative to the school. Oh, okay. Right. Like, okay. you know, like um, kind of a guy that just you just don't often see very often. So it, it can be national, you know, but like it, it also can be at a school. Right. Like we've talked about Keon Keeley as a generational player at Notre Dame. Is Keon Keeley the best defensive lineman to come out of high school football in the last 20 years? No. But mm-hmm. is he the best defensive lineman to sign with Notre Dame in a very long time? Yeah, because I think he's better than Aaron Lynch. And I think prior to that, Aaron Lynch is the best lineman they signed coming out of high school. Prior to that, I mean, it's been a long time since Notre Dame got a truly elite defensive lineman. You have to go back to like Corey Miner in the early 90s. And as good as Corey Miner was, he's, he's, not, he's not like these guys. So uh, it, it can be both, Tommy. But normally when I refer to it for Notre Dame – 
it's usually related to Notre Dame specifically. When I'm talking about other programs, it's usually more big picture national. So like I've referred to Trevor Lawrence a lot as a generational player. I don't view Bryce Young as a generational player, right? They're just, they're just different types of guys. Right. And, and that's kind of how I, how I look at it. So I don't, you guys have different takes on it. You can, you're more than welcome to share them, but that's when I say it, that's what I refer to. It's always positional for me. So if I'm talking about a generational guard or generational quarterback. I'd rarely ever say like, this guy's a generational overall mm-hmm. football player. That's just not mm-hmm. really what I do. And I, I like the specific about by school too, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. The generational, for example, a generational player from my baseball team at my high school would be a bench warmer at some other schools because that's just the way it is. Right. Right. So yeah. I think, I think that that is a very good way to look at it because a generational player at Notre Dame is going to be different than a generational player at a Clemson or an Keenan Reynolds is a perfect example of that. Right. Keenan Reynolds is the best option quarterback I've ever seen at Navy. Absolutely. Generational talent. When he was there, they were a completely different program. I mean, he took teams that otherwise would have been five and seven and won 10, 11 games. Right. It's a generational talent. He does that nowhere else other than Army, Navy, or Air Force. That's it. Because of the unique nature of that program, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And if you move into any other position, he's not a generational talent. Yeah, absolutely correct. Right. Hey, so don't yeah. forget about Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson. Yeah. Good point. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be curious how he would do in the ACC against very different, more athletic teams. It would That's be very yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face, and she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by Trade after she filled out a short quiz. You got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. 
Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Douglas Road Roundabouts. I listened to the defensive position battle show and wanted to hear a bit more as to how you think Justin Adamiola will be used, similar or different from last year. Vince, start us off. Oh, I didn't hear your guys' argument, but I will no, say it, it, we didn't have a discussion about him. Oh, okay. he just, it, I, I'm assuming he, you know, uh, we didn't talk about Justin yesterday, I, okay. uh, but just kind of thinking of different players and battles and how they're going to be used. And I think just kind of sparked him to be thinking about Justin. Look, I think Justin is going to be one. I think he's going to kind of be the ultimate uh, swing guy, I guess you could say. I think he could he could come in, he could play drop, he could come in, he could play big side. I think uh, they're going to use him where he's going to be able to get on the field the most. And so that really depends on who's in front of him at those spots and how they do. And so I, I just think that he you can use him all over the place as far as at the end positions, and you're going to see him at both. I think this t- at you know this year. Uh, you know, he may be listed at, you know, drop or whatever, primarily on the depth chart, but he can play big end. I, I have full faith that he could play big end, and I think he'll play both throughout the year. So I think he's going to be kind of an, a Swiss Army knife at defensive end. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I, I think that obviously on the depth chart, you're going to see him as the backup Viper to Keon Kelly when Keon Kelly is uh, Keon Kelly when Isaiah Foskey is not in the game. Justin Adamalola will most likely be in as the Viper, but when. Foskey's in there. You'll see Justin sometimes to the big end side, sometimes to the Viper side. Like I think they'll flip-flop those guys in obvious passing situations to try to get them both on the field. So he's kind of a chess moving chess piece piece yeah. on passing downs and you know, just third and longs, all that good stuff. But he's the backup viper technically. And, and I think a lot of that has to do also with where does Justin Batelho fit the best? Does he end up moving down to Viper at times? Like, I think that could be a possibility in a drop situation. Um, you know, I there's a lot of moving parts, but I think Justin is very, very flexible as far as his positional availability. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing him being used a lot more than just a rotational guy this year. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a very integral part of what – I think there's going to be times, and I think part of this is just because of how well he played last year and part of because of the schedule. You know, there's Ohio State, there's there's – uh, North Carolina, there's BYU, which will spread the field, do some different things. There's USC, there's Clemson. There's a lot of teams in the schedule this year. They're going to want, really want to get in space. And that are, those are matchups where even on first down, you can get key on, you, dang it, Ryan, you can <laughs> Isaiah Fosky and Justin Asmiola on the field at the same time. Uh, so I, I think we're going to see him be used even more than he was last year. There's no doubt. I, I wish there was a reality where we could see a Keon Keeley and a Isaiah Fosky on the field at the same time. Wouldn't that be so, fun? That would, would be, be fun. Be a lot of fun. The only reason I say like, that'd be great. The only, the only, the only drawback to that is that I think the only way that happens is if Isaiah gets hurt this year and has to come back. Oh yeah. I, I, I meant like you take no, a, I, 
20 year old version right. of I get you of, I get uh, you of I get you and pop him up a couple years I got a super chat from Tyler binge what's up guys what who is your what is your top five college coaches of all time then three current offensive coordinators oh geez. I don't know if I'm able to get to you on the offensive coordinators ones um uh, you know because I mean for me some of the best play callers in college football are head coaches yeah like I know Kevin Wilson's the offensive coordinator at Ohio State but he's not the reason that their offense is what it is it's Ryan Day Right. I mean, so that's just kind of my thing. And then, uh, but top five college coaches of all time. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I could give you a, a, a true, like, study the whole thing answer. I mean, I think Newt Rockney's in that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to put Nick Saban in that conversation. Okay. I mean, you just, guy wanted t- one, what, seven titles? And he's done it at two schools. Right. Oh, he yeah. also took Michigan State from a dumpster fire to a pretty darn good program by the time he left. Yeah. He's done it for a long time. He's done it consistently. And his down year in the last, 13 years is what 10 and three in 2010 right he's in that conversation for me uh you know i mean after that i think it gets a little bit interesting yeah you know like i had to look at their resumes how many titles did they win were they you know kind right. of along with that hall of fame argument that we had yeah. were they the best while they were coaching you know were they the right. best that was around then you know what right. i mean They're- Bear yeah. Bryant's going to get a lot of talk. I just have always kind of felt he's a tad overrated as a coach, especially with the way that Alabama looks at national championships. But, you know, guy was top 10 for a long, long time. I think you kind of, I think what I have to do is I have to reconcile the fact that I do think he's overrated as like the greatest, but while still accepting the fact that he was still one of the greatest. You know what I mean? Sure. I think that's kind of, sure. it's kind of like how the, the, you know, sometimes you can think a guy's great, but you just get sick of how other people talk about him. Right. You know, LeBron James, perfect example. I think Le- I think it's nonsense to say LeBron James is the best player of all time in the NBA for a host of reasons. Right. That has caused me to dislike him. Well, that and other things have caused me to dislike him even more. And sometimes I want to acknowledge the fact that he is great. You know what I mean? I think I, I had a little bit of that with Kobe in the, the middle. I thought Kobe early on with Shaq when he embraced it was phenomenal. I think Kobe later in his career when he grew up was phenomenal. There was that real immature period where, like, he wouldn't shoot the ball in the playoff against playoffs against Phoenix. Remember that? Because he was mad at mm-hmm. Phil Jackson for, you know, telling him to pass more. So he just wouldn't shoot, and all he would do is pass. Like, dude, that's childish. You know, so, like, there's a period where I kind of did, felt that way about Kobe, too. Uh, I think that's kind of how I am with Bear Bryant. I think sometimes I am too critical of Bear Bryant's legacy because of how he's viewed as, like, the greatest, which I think is just not accurate. But he's probably in my – He's probably have to be in my top five. That just the way that Alabama claims titles is just utter nonsense for me. You know, it's just like you know, three, you, three. like they they claim one in seventy three, same year as Notre Dame. Why? Because one of the title, some of the type teams back, some of the polls back then would give titles out before the bowl games, and Alabama was ranked number one. Well, they lost in Notre Dame the Sugar Bowl, but Alabama still counts that as the national title. Sorry. So yeah, that's. And like there's and there's other coaches I think that don't get enough credit for how great they were because they just maybe weren't good guys or how their careers ended. And I think a perfect example of that's Woody Hayes. I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people realize how good Woody Hayes was as a coach at Ohio State because he was a insane, you know, and his career ended by because he freaking throat punched a player. You know what I mean? <laughs> like on the other team. He did. So you know, like the guy won five national titles. 
that's, I mean, you know, Michigan in the last hundred years won what, like one and a half, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting conversation, but all, at the end of the day, I don't know. I mean, those are, those are right. Newt, Frank Leahy has to be in there for me. Nick Saban has to be in there for me. Bear Bryant has to be in there for me. I don't know if I have a fifth. One of the chatters said that Leahy won two as a player and four as a coach. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, man. I mean, guys, Frank, Frank Leahy had a four year stretch at Notre Dame where they didn't lose a game. Right. Right. That has to be taken. They didn't lose a game. That has to be taken into consideration. Now they had some ties, right? They had two ties. But look, and, and here's the thing. There was a stretch where he won four titles in five seasons for Notre Dame. Now, I say seasons, not years, because he took two years off during the war, serving the war, right? So he didn't coach in 44 and 45, but they won in 43, won a title in 43. He was gone two years, came back, won a title in 46, 47, 49. And the year that they didn't win a title, they went 9-0 and 1. They didn't lose a game that year. So, you know, he, he has to be in there for me, in my opinion, and – he coached two years at Boston College, and they went 20-2, and two, won the Sugar Bowl, and finished number five. So uh, the only knock on Frank Leahy is the, is the longevity or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. He didn't coach for very long. He burned out real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be I – mean, he began coaching in, in 39 and stopped coaching in 53 and missed two seasons because of the war in there. So that would be the only knock on Frank Leahy is just the longevity of it. But you know, I mean, what he did kind of say he won a lot really impressive amount of time. And he took over a Notre Dame program that was struggling too. It's not like he replaced Newt Rockney when Newt passed away and just kept him rolling. You know, I mean, he stepped in at a different time than that. But I don't know if I could if I could see if I could think of a five. I'd have to those are one of those ones, Tyler, that I gotta sit back and think about really do some homework, I think. There's I found a list that had Eddie Robinson at number five with four hundred and eight wins and one sixty five for Grambling. It, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to have him in that conversation because otherwise I got to put Larry Carrots in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he didn't. The reality is, was Eddie Robinson a great coach? Yeah, he just, but he wasn't. He wasn't a Division One coach. I mean, because I mean, look, if we want to go there, that's cool. Put Eddie Robinson in, but then put Larry Carrots in. The guy went three hundred and thirty-two, twenty-four, and three. Won eleven national championships. A lot of winning, and he had and he had to win championships in the playoff with a playoff right. system. Right. So they had to win four or five games every year for him to win a championship. I mean, people just claiming championships back then, huh? People yeah. were claiming no. championships, no, no, no. just because they felt like it. I mean, if yeah. somebody made a good point in the chat, I mean, if Alabama claims their championship in '73 because they were ranked number one and blah blah blah, and then they got beat by Notre Dame, then shouldn't Notre Dame have been national champs in '12? Right. Pretty much. So, well, the difference yeah. is is that Alabama claims it because somebody gave it to them. Right. Sure. They awarded sure. championships before. Right. right. But Notre Dame was ranked number one going into that game. Yeah. So, yeah. well, national title. You heard right. it first. Right. So, I mean, so again, if we're going to give it, put Eddie Robinson on there, and, and I'm fine because, again, longevity is an important thing. I think also Eddie Robinson had a big impact on the game beyond just Absolutely. coaching. No question. Right, which sure. matters when it comes to greatness. And and yeah. Grambling was really good for a long time. I loved watching the Grambling right. game back in the day yeah. when I was a kid. Like, it would be yeah. on NBC. And that was a fun game to right. watch. Maybe, maybe he would be more appropriate for, like, a top five pioneers of college sure. football show instead. Yeah. You know? I mean, you're yeah. talking about a guy that won 11 games in 1972 and also led Grambling to a, a 10-2 record in 1992. That's mm-hmm. a long stretch. 
Yeah, went sure 408, is. 165, and 15. That's tremendous, right? But again, when I look, if we're going to have that conversation, then Larry Karras also has to be in there. From, from 1992 to 2012, it's 21 years. Am I, am I doing that correct? 21 years. The worst season at Mount Union ever had was 10 and 2. <laughs> they had see four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten undefeated seasons. They had one, two, three, four, five, five seasons of fourteen and one. So I mean, all right. So if we're gonna go non D one coaches, that's cool. And then we got to look at John Gallardi from St. John's, who coached for uh, like ninety three years at St. John's, uh, a D three school. Uh, so you know, I just feel like I, 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 for me, I just always tend to keep it at the at the the power yeah. the, the fbs level for me right was, but if it's but it, it gets easier to get your top five if you're going to include all levels because it's larry Karras is no question in there and eddie robinson's no question in there yeah well and then was it's larry newt rockney bear bryant and nick saban nick saban that's right? five. Is what that, was larry Karras's overall record if you don't mind me 332 asking? 24 uh-huh. and three it's gross he coached from <laughs> 1986 to 2012 he, it, I have to do the math how many years that is, but he had 24 losses in those years. So he had, he had over 300 more victories than losses. Yes, that's, yes, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Is that, is that good? Is that good? That's a lot. Yeah, he coached, do, you, do you think he, he got coached, bored after a while? Do you think he got yeah. bored? Like uh, he coached kinda... more seasons than he had losses. <laughs> he has more seasons coached than he has losses. Wow. Yes. So, yeah. So, fine. So, if, if we're going to include uh, um, non FBS coaches, I'm t- I'm cool with that. But that makes it super easy. Larry Karras, Eddie Robinson, Newt, Sa- uh, Newt Rockney, Nick Saban, and Bear Bryant. And I'm only giving Bear Bryant the edge over over Frank Leahy because of longevity. If you wanted to say Frank Leahy over Bear Bryant, I'm cool with that too. Yeah. So My yeah, that's where coaches on there. Yeah. Just wish there would be some on there from like this after 19 millennium or two right yep <laughs> seth clark the great yeah. generation yeah <laughs> seth clark what are your top five teams in college football this season so preseason top 20 top five going into the season who do you guys have vince you want to start off uh, ohio state alabama I, I i would still put clemson up there just because mm-hmm. Just because uh, or real thorough analysis, Vince. Just because <laughs> I've explained this in other shows, I still think that they deserve the recognition, <laughs> but I don't think that they'll be there when it's all said. Yeah. But going into the preseason, I, I will put them there. So, okay, so Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia that's four. Um, there's got to be a fifth, right? I, I'm having a hard time with five. Okay. So that's why I am okay putting Clemson in there, although I don't think they're going to be there either. But it's just more of a – they're the only one that has anything that they've remotely proven, and their down year was 10-3. and three. Uh, So I, I just think, to me, I think the top – I think there's four teams in the country, and then there's a, di- a distance between everybody else a little bit, in my opinion. Okay. So, uh, you know, obviously Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and I think Notre Dame is a preseason top to five team. Uh, my, my my question is the problem is a lot of the teams that I that I thought were really good last year lost a ton. Yeah, Oklahoma State lost a ton. Yeah. Baylor lost a ton. Utah lost a decent amount, and I just don't think that they were a top five team last year. They're getting a lot of top five love. I'd be okay wow. if somebody wanted to put Utah in there. I just wouldn't. Uh, Michigan lost a, a they didn't lose a lot in numbers, but they lost a ton in value and production. 
I mean, like, there's just I think there's I, I think there's a lot of teams that have a lot to prove this year. Yeah, in my absolutely. opinion. No, absolutely. You know? And we're gonna do an IB top twenty-five, so we need to start thinking about this. Well, are we now? Yes, okay. we are. Yes, right. we are. I, I will say that you know I'm looking at Lindy's right here, right mm-hmm. on the front page, right, and they've got a top ten on the front page. They've got Notre Dame at eight, and they've got Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, and then they've got Texas A&M, Michigan, yeah. Utah, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. I would not put A&M, Michigan, and Utah above Notre Dame, and so that by default puts Notre yeah. Dame five. But, you know, five to eight, whatever. Like, it, preseason, whatever. That's fine. They're in the neighborhood. They can make it up with the I'm, I'm putting Notre Dame ahead of Clemson this year. I'm sorry. I mean, okay. they were a better team last year, and they play each other at home. Uh, and, and Notre Dame has quarterback issues. Yes, yeah, so does Clemson. Uh, my, my thing is, is with of those teams you mentioned, Vince, the only team that I think has a legitimate claim to be a, a team in there is Michigan. Because – a and M was eight and four last year. They lost a ton of talent, right? And their defensive coordinator. Why are we thinking they're a top five team based on what? Did they signed thirty two defensive ends in last year's class. Is that why? <laughs> you know what people, I mean? Like the people that have been predicting for years have to be right yes, eventually. It's right like, yeah, exactly. when they thought they. Averages. You know, I've said this before. They did that with Michigan for a long time. The first year they stopped predicting Michigan to be high is when Michigan went to the playoffs. <laughs> Here's the reason I say Michigan deserves a, a beef over those teams. Number one, they were way better than those teams last year. They did lose a lot of very important players, but they didn't lose a lot of players overall. I mean, almost their entire offense is coming back this year. Yep. They lost the running back, Hassan Haskins, was very good, but you've still got Blake Corn back, and I really like Donovan Edwards kind of stepping into that role this year. Uh, I don't love Cade McNabb. Uh, Cade McNown. I, I don't love Cade McNamara, but he did just lead guy. him to a playoff game last year. I think the receiving core is going to be even better because Andrew Anthony is going to be a sophomore. Cornelius Johnson now has another year under his belt. Eric All, I think, really emerged as a really quality Big Ten tight end last year. You get Ronnie Bell back, who's going to be dynamic. You've got a, a really good freshman coming in in Darius Clemens. So, and they bring, I think, what, four of their five starting offensive linemen are back from last year, right, Ryan? And then they yeah. get in the transfer from Virginia, who – is along with Jared Patterson considered the best center in college football returning last year. We can debate that if that's true or not, but that's the perception. Mm-hmm. And even though their de- defense is not quite as good as it will be last year, it's it's not like they return bums everywhere. So right. I think they're going to take a step back on defense, theoretically, but I think there's, there's a chance they could get better on offense, especially if Harbaugh is willing to make the tough call and bench a quarterback that just took you to the playoffs. The, that, that's, that's the thing for me. Playoff, that's the thing for me. Because I think J.J. McCarthy gives them the best chance, in my opinion. They they asked him – I don't know if you guys watched the Big Ten media day, but they asked him about the quarterback position, and he said, you know, we have a we have a good decision to make. Cade McNamara is going to be tough to beat out as a starter. J.J. McCarthy is going to be tough to beat out, beat out for the starter. I'm just like, okay, guy. Okay. Just pick, just, yeah. Just, yeah. Look, yeah. it just depends on how good he wants to be, right? I mean, Cade McNamara is not going to be – you're not going to be able to repeat last year, and that's what coaches – Great coaches don't do that. Coaches that are good but aren't championship coaches do that. We're going to find out what Harbaugh is this year. But really, really good question. Zachary, here's a good one, Vince. What, who, who, what is the biggest sleeper game this year other than BYU? I wouldn't even really call BYU a sleeper game. I mean, they were 10-3 and three last year. Right. It's, it's Boston a top 20 football team. Okay. Boston College is the sleeper game for me just because of where it lands on the schedule, what it means to two of the Boston College kids coming back into Notre Dame Stadium. 
it, it's Boston College. That's the biggest mm-hmm. sleeper game for me. Or trap game, however you want to, however you want to label it, it would be BC if we're not talking BYU. That would be Ryan. my pick as well. I was going to say Boston <clears throat> College. It's you know you got the Fodrakovic thing. You got to you know hopefully he's healthy at that point. You have Zay Flowers coming back, who's a dynamic player. It, yeah, I think Boston College is a sneaky good football team. Yeah, on the schedule. Yeah, me too. Mine's North Carolina. The reason I say that is, is because by game 11, we're going to know that BC is a good football team or not, right? right. They'll either, the O-line is going to be a problem and they're six and five or six and four, five and five, whatever it is going to be, or they're going to be a nine and ten, one team or eight and two team that we're like, hey, you watch out for that team. For me, it's North Carolina. I, and I agree with everything you guys said about Boston College. The only thing I would say is it's just the, the lateness of the season. Sleeper going into the year, agree. By the time uh-huh. we get to that game is where – so I'm just looking at it from a different angle. I think I agree with everything you guys said. I'm just looking at it from a different angle. I think the North Carolina game for me is is the sleeper team because it's a game Notre Dame should win. I mean, they should Absolutely. win minimum 10 of the games in their schedule. No doubt. But I think North Carolina is going to be improved upon last year. And I know that sounds crazy as much as I love Sam Howell, but I just thought they did a they did a poor job last year of putting too much on his plate. I think they've got some really talented weapons coming back, but I think their defense is going to be a lot better this year. Now, it's still going to be mediocre overall, but mediocre is a big upgrade from where their defense was the last couple of years. And I'm not just saying that to take a shot at Jay Bateman. I'm, I mean, their defense was atrocious last year and, and wasn't very good the year before that. So I don't think the new quarterback's going to have to do quite as much the only thing that makes me concerned about that pick, guys, is the fact that they did lose a couple really good offensive linemen for what they did. That you know that with a quarterback is a little bit concerning for me. But being at North Carolina, it's early in the season. Notre Dame is still kind of developing. You got a bye week coming up. You're still having the emotional reaction to Ohio State, win or lose. Right. You know that's a game that to me is it could be a little bit of a if you don't bring it today and you guys think you're just going to sleepwalk through this one it could be a little bit of a tricky game and I don't think North Carolina I mean App State they play App State before that I don't think they would have played a team that if you're Notre Dame and you're prone to overlooking North Carolina that there's a game on the schedule that they will have played that you're all of a sudden like oh they beat App State we better be ready for that (laughs) uh you know uh I just I don't think that's the, the case in my opinion all right, let's get some more here. Uh, Gideon Rosa, is Caleb Herring a possible Jason Moore replacement? Uh, just quickly, no and yes. No, because he's not <clears throat> replacing Jason Moore's specific position. Jason Moore's a big end three technique. Caleb Herring is more of a Viper hybrid type of player that could yeah. maybe grow into a big end. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yes, in the standpoint of the potential for the fifth defensive line spot. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, so. no, it's very fair. He's a really interesting player, Brian. I don't know if you've watched a film on mm-hmm. him. They play him like in space a ton, man. Yeah. Like he's like that that yeah. Sam like overhang guy. They play lot. him it's a lot like, like Jordan Patelho. I mean, yeah. that's there you yeah. go. Except, I mean, except he's six six two twenty. Like one <laughs> exactly. <right>? exactly. <laughs> exactly. <Sure>. exactly. <clears throat> oh, that's a yes. He's he's pretty twitchy. He's pretty athletic. Oh, he's talented. Yeah, he's very talented. I, I hate how they use him though. Hate. Oh, him. I know. Yep. I felt that way about Jalen Seed as a junior. I understood why Coach Payne had to do it, you know, but yeah, I, I still hated it. Tyler Bedwell, coach, I've noticed that Marcus Freeman has been doing a lot more media related stuff than the previous head coach. Do you think this could be a distraction for the team? I don't think so because I think they like the stuff. Look here, 
the problem with the previous coaches, he wasn't around, and it was because he was doing right. media stuff. He just was right. not around. He's not there. Marcus Freeman's around. Like so, for example, he's in New York City right now. They were in New York City yesterday with Foskey and the Adamiolas and some right. players. The, the thing is, though, su- su- summer ball ended yesterday. Kids went home yesterday. Right. So he waited to do this stuff until after summer practices and summer workouts were over. Exactly. Right. And a lot of stuff that he's done before this were Zoom meetings and interviews and stuff like that. Right. So he's now, I mean, I think, you know, the Adam Ullos are going to be on, on one of the big channels this week. And Foskey was on ESPN yesterday. Coach Freeman was on ESPN. But now that's after the kids have all gone home. Right. They're, right? It's their free time now. Right. And that's, that's what it is. It's their right. free time. If they choose not right. to go home and they choose to do this right. instead, so be it. Right. You know what I mean? And it, yeah, and he did the thing with program. Ryan Day, but wasn't that draft related? I mean, he was there with Kyle supporting him at the draft when they had that thing where him and Ryan Day were sitting side by side and they asked him, right? Wasn't that for the draft? I think so. Before around when they were in, when they were there for the yeah, draft. He was, he was out in Vegas. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I it's only a distraction, honest. And Tyler, this is a very fair question. I'm not absolutely I'm not coming at your question. I and, and Tyler's not looking at it from a negative. He has a follow up. Other the top head coaches in college football do similar things. So I like the way Marcus Freeman is going and promoting the program on national TV outside game day. I was just curious since he was so new to the head coaching game. Because I think it's a fair question is does Marcus Freeman know how to juggle those things? I think right. that's the premise of the question that I think Tyler nails. But I think the answer is why what we just said is so important because the time he understood, hey, when it's summer workouts, I'm here. As soon yeah. as they're over, let's go do our New York City media right. tour. Right. Right. So I think that shows us that he is he is juggling that. And then, you know, the thing they did for the Vegas thing, I mean, clearly that, but it's not like they were out there for two weeks. He took two of his players with him, right? That's something they knocked out pretty quickly, I would imagine. So, and I think the kids like that stuff because he's yeah. a, they all say he's around. We see him all the time. He's in there. We're genuine. coming in. He's in there working yeah. out, you know, and he's, he's at every work. I mean, my, you heard what Michael Mayer said uh, in the interview with Will Compton the other day. It's like, look, he's, 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 he's in us with us. He's in it with us. And we see and, him and I believe didn't Michael Mayer in that one interview say that it's not just Mike Marcus Freeman. It's like the staff, like they're yeah. in there working out with these right. guys. And like, no, yeah. that's yeah. different. Yeah. And we've talked about that here. I mean, and, and people have, told us those kind of things right exactly and then ryan loft is with the super chat he's the one ryan's the one that put out that intel earlier you're talking about uh frankly he won two national championships as a notre dame player and four as a notre dame coach this likely won't ever happen again no yeah probably I, won't happen i mean again. the number of players it would have to be some i mean if we're going to talk about someone you know in the last 20 years i mean it'd have to be someone from nebraska in the 90s or mm-hmm. someone from alabama alabama i mean nobody else has won or someone from Clemson. That would be the other thing. There, someone who played from 16 to 18 would have to be somebody like that. Uh, Hunter Renfro, first name that pops in my head. Right? I mean, it. Right? Could it? Would it shock you guys if Hunter Renfro was the head coach at Clemson in 20 years? You After like I mean? a 20 year NFL He'd be career, 63 too. at the time. Yeah. You know, because he was at Clemson as a player for nine years. I'm kidding, but <laughs> it's just so rare. And and, and yeah, it, it's it's an anomaly. Yeah, and just. Are you going to see another coach win four titles? Period. Much less yeah, at his alma mater, where he also won two titles. So yeah, right. the number of players who that could be is so astronomically low. Right. That the I odds are terrible, it and it's happening. never going to happen. Yeah, Sorry, I don't see it happening. Did, did AJ McCarron win two? That's my pick. My he pick. won in eleven and twelve. Yeah, yeah. There we go. He was the starting sure. quarterback in eleven when coaching? he beat LSU. He no, he's still right playing, isn't he? I thought I thought is he was still a playing somewhere. He might. Yeah, he might be. So. Going around know. somewhere, I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember what happened to him after the Bengals. Wasn't he with the Bengals for a while? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. Ryan Schulte asks situational question. 
Notre Dame has a four-point lead with four minutes left. Ohio State ball at midfield, third and eight. They have 10 personnel on the field. 10 personnel one running back, zero tight ends, four receivers. So, lots of receivers. Yep. Who is on the field for Notre Dame? What's your decal? Send heat, play coverage. That's a loaded question. Yeah. A, there's a lot going I, I on love there. this question because there's he gave it because what do we always very specific? Yeah, that's the thing we always say. Well, the, I'd have to know a lot more, right? Well, sure. Ryan did it. It's we know the we know the opponent, we know the game, we know the personnel grouping, we know the down distance, we know the time we know the time that the and we know where the ball is. <laughs> he nailed it. <laughs> I mean, we can't cop out of this one, guys. So okay. uh for me. I'm a big believer in in those situations, you do what you do. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a football team that's going to be about we are going to attack the quarterback. So for me, I'd have my nickel package in the game. Correct. Uh, that would be uh, four down linemen in my mm-hmm. scenario. And Maris Luafau is going to be on the field some way, somehow. I'm protecting against slants, and I'm bringing uh, three linemen and Marist on a blitz. I'm dropping one of my linemen into coverage. I don't know who, who that would be. Probably Justin, because uh, I, I actually like Justin in coverage. But I'm bringing Marist and Foskey off of the same side. And I'm protecting against – because what Ohio State does really good in those scenarios is they do really good at layers where they bring somebody under, catch, and run for a first down. I'm mm-hmm. protecting like heck against that. If they beat us on a one-on-one outside, good on them. you know. But that's what I would do. That's what I would do is I would protect against the quick in stuff and I'm bringing pressure and I'm basically saying, we're not going to give you enough time to throw this ball beyond eight yards. Yeah. That's, that's what I'd probably do. I, I assume I, if you're, I assume if you're bringing Maris, you're playing some type of man coverage, maybe like two man or something. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Now here's the other option would be is if, if, if we're dominating, here's the one scenario you didn't address. If we've dominated at the line of scrimmage in that game, I'm going to then say, okay, Marist, Jason, Justin, Riley, whatever our four-man pass rush has been, do it, right? Do it. Because, like, I did say bring Maris, but I drop alignment, so I can still get seven into coverage. Uh, so I'm not going, like, cover one. I'm not going cover zero. Uh, I'm just going to try and overload pressure. But if if I felt like we had been winning the battle in the trenches, I'm going to – because, again, do what you do. So if Maris – I mean, if, if Justin and Jason and Isaiah and Riley are, have been dominating Ohio State all game, and I'm riding the horse that got me. Yeah. And I will also say that with four minutes left, it's not the end of the game. Like this isn't, it's, you're getting towards the end of the game. But let's say, right. let's just say Ohio State goes down and scores on this drive, right? There's still going to be like yeah. two minutes left. I got a lot of faith in my offense over there too. Just right saying. now, but, but for me, I'm going to win the no, game there. Absolutely. Right? No, I mean, no question. But I'm still right. going to do what I do. There's still four minutes left on the clock. Right. Sure. You still got that, time too. Right. I'm, that's what, but whether there's 30 seconds on left in the game or four minutes for me, I'm trying to win. I'm trying to win that game right there. My mm-hmm. faith in the offense is going to be more geared towards we can run the next four off the clock. Then I'm putting Tyler Buckner in a situation where we're now down three in Columbus with two minutes left. And he's now got to lead us to victory. Right. Mm-hmm. I would much rather say, Hey, O-line D just are the, our best unit just did what they do. Now our next best unit needs to do what they do. That to me gives you your best chance to win. Does if the, if Ohio State scores, does it mean game over? No, but I think your best chance to win is make a stop there and run the clock out. And that's why I say do what you do: rush the quarterback, protect against these stuff that Ohio State likes to do there, which is those in-breaking routes in those scenarios, right? And you, if they can you beat you at a ten-yard out, go for it. You said you're going to be in the nickel too, right? 
nickel you're, yeah, you're personnel. Smart. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yep. I mean, so like you're going to have Foskey on the field. You're going to have Adam Yule on the field, Justin on the field. You're probably going to have Jason on the field and either Riley Mills or third Nate. You may, you know, you may say, hey, put in another end, you know, something like that. You know, I mean, I'd consider, you know, who else I'd consider in that scenario? And I'd put him right at the nose, either Riley Mills or Alexander Ahrensberger. I'm going to say, Alex, push that guy back as much as you can and then get your flipping hands up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Takes away so, the middle of the field. Just like right. that. Because that's you're right, right in the quarterback's face. I might I might get try to get Batello on the field as a rusher. Yeah. I might try it. I don't know. I'm thinking in my I'd, mind. He could I'd be okay question. with him as my fourth. I'd yeah. be okay with him as my fourth. Because I was like, thinking honestly, like Fo- Fosky and Riley Mills inside. Well, I don't want to take Jason off the field, so forget that. Well, Fosky's Maybe. rushing off the edge, put Riley yeah. inside with Jason, and then either Justin or Batello's coming off of the edge. Yeah. Unless Batello's your nickel linebacker instead of Bo Bauer. Yeah, that's a t- that's the question because I almost want to have like, a I'd linebacker. Love to see him play this year. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point. That's a good point. Because let me yeah, ask you this, like, Ryan. Imagine if this is yeah. sort of your third and long personnel. You've got Foskey and Justin Adamiola as yep. the edge players. You've got Riley Mills and Jason inside. Your two mm-hmm. linebackers are Marist and Jordan Patelho. And then you get your nickel personnel. You got Tariq in the slot. You've got, you know, Cam outside and whoever your third corner, you know, your other corner is Clarence Lewis or Barnes or whoever. And you got Brandon Joseph and your number two safety back there. You got two linebackers that can flat out run and blitz. And I just Mm -hmm. think that presents a lot of mental problems for your offensive line, because I got six dudes in the box in my nickel that can come Mm -hmm. from somewhere. And I think that just kind of, that can create a, they think this, and that's where you got to trust Al Golden is like in third and eight, this is the protection they like to use. And this is what we've done a lot of. So let's, they're going to, they're going to be prepared for that. So let's bring this. They've been, yep. sl- we've been bringing this pressure off this side. So they're going to slide to that. So we're going to bring Batejo off the field edge or something like that. You know what I mean? So um, and that's also a great time to, to use your best player as a, as a decoy, not as a decoy, mm-hmm. but like knowing they're going to, you're going to put him here knowing they're going to pressure him there. And yep. then we're going to bring this off, you know, so maybe you put him to the field knowing they're going to put their protection there. And now you've got a shorter edge to kind of come off of from the boundary with Marist or, or somebody like that. That's another option yeah. too. Yeah. With, with that, with that personnel grouping, I would love that, especially if Notre Dame is, I know this is for Ohio state specifically, but if they're playing like a more athletic quarterback too, they can move a little bit. I would love having Batello in that role almost as like a spy, like a mush rush kind of spy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just to try to have an extra eye on him. So it's interesting, man. I like that stuff. I love it. Mm-hmm. Ryan, this is an awesome question. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reza with a super chat. Thank you very, very much, Reza. If you were a top college college recruit today and had to pick a program to play for other than Notre Dame, who would it be and why? It's a great question. It's a great question. I I, think I know who I would pick. Who would you pick, Ryan? Because I'm a quarterback, right? You'd have to pick the position you play, right? Ooh, good call. Yeah, I play linebacker, so my immediate thought was Alabama or Clemson. So I was just kind of first thought there. here's what I know. I'm taking all five of my visits, okay, (laughs) because I'm doing the recruiting thing right. Uh, But, no, I mean, if if we're talking right now in the current state of college football, I mean – I would look very hard at, at Clemson. I think that would be I, – I feel like I would enjoy playing for a guy like Dabo Sweeney. I, yeah. I feel like I would do well with a guy like that, right? Um, so that that would be a high choice for me. I hate to say it, but I think Texas would be a high choice for me. So it would I think it would come down to those two, uh, to be honest with you. I Something about Texas has always intrigued me, and I think they're on the way up. I don't know how far up they're going to end up, but I think they are on the way up. And man, if you go down and you do it right at Texas, you are a legend. Mm-hmm. You're a legend. And you know, there's um, the eye candy down in Texas is pretty good too. So I think Texas might be my choice. It's funny you say that because that's mine as well. Oh! As, a, as a quarterback, if I can't play at Notre Dame, right, right, right. Uh, I I would say who's going to develop me? Who's going to have a better do a better job of developing me as a quarterback. Number one, I'm not going to USC. A, it's USC. B, it's California. C, I don't like Lincoln Riley. Uh, so <laughs> Definitely not that, going to USC. I can't do it. Can't there's do like, it. there's literally nothing endearing about me going to USC. No, can't do it. And and for me, when I look at the type of quarterback I would have viewed myself as, I would have much rather have played in that system than like an Ohio State system, right? Uh, that's just me. And since David Cutcliffe is no longer coaching, I mean, I just I'd, I'd, I'd want to play for Sark. I think it's the same reason Arch did. Who, who do you think is going to do the best job of developing you to be an NFL quarterback? Yeah. It'd be Sark, right? Mm-hmm. So, because in this scenario, if I was a recruit today, I'd also be 6'3", right? Because that's why I'm getting recruited by these schools. Yeah, right. Uh, so, right. as a quarterback, it, I'd, I'd play for – again, Notre Dame's not an option. They didn't offer me. Coach Reese looked at my film and made the wrong decision not to offer me. <laughs> you so got that chip on your shoulder That's now. right. I got that chip on my shoulder. I'd, <laughs> I'd probably go to Texas. Yeah. And you're a quarterback, yeah. so go with that NIL money too, you know? Yep. Yep. There you go. There you go. So, good good question, Reza. Uh, Vince, do you got to take off? I got a couple yeah. questions here. I'll see if there's – I, I got to get this one for you, okay? Okay. All this right. is a Ryan question. So, um, we'll, we'll just kind of real quick, we'll answer this one. I got one more for you, Vince. Right. So, Gideon Rosa says, Is Xavier worthy a Kevin Austin type, tall and long and tall, but 4 3 speed? I'd say only nah, one of those I, things is comparable to Kevin Austin. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see the comparison. Xavier worthy is a lot more of a flexible player on the field, right? Like, he's a guy that can line up all over the place. Kevin's he was like a buck just... 60 last year. Kevin yes. Austin hasn't been a buck 60, 60 since his freshman year of high school. And Kevin Austin is also a vertical centric right. wide receiver. Like Xavier Worthy's can run routes. He can do things after the catch. He's vertically. He can also be vertically oriented. He's he more wants. Will he's, Fuller than he would be Kevin Austin. And even then, he's like you said, he does a lot more after the catch, all that kind of stuff. I think Will like could a, have done that stuff in high college though if they used him I, right. I'd say Xavier Worthy's like a faster version of Devonta Smith from a sure 
physical perspective. Sure. We'll make that comment. Yeah, not not like not like uh, Kevin Austin. So here's the question, and, and Ryan, this, I'll kick this to you second, but I want to give Vince a chance because this Uh-oh. is Vince's guy. Uh oh. Will Claw says, "Hey Ryan," and I'll ask Vince first. If Cam Hart has a season that we hope he can, can he be a first round pick? Absolutely. Vince is the president of the Cam Hart fan club, so I need to give him a first shot. He's got the measurables. And if he puts together a, a number one corner type season with Notre Dame, he's going to have plenty of film against top wide receivers that I think he absolutely could go in the first round. No question about it. And the other thing is you have to remember, that, you know, you look at the positions that go in the first round corner is one of those ones where guys sometimes get overdrafted. Right. And so I think he could be a group in a group of guys that could be in the first round at corner. Yep. All right, Vince, thank you. I know you got to run. But Ryan, what would your answer be to that? Yeah, it's very, it's possible. I, I mean, I can tell you from absolute certainty that and if there's NFL teams or at least entities in the NFL right now that have second and third round grades on Cam Hart, and that's with a season left to go, right? So I think anytime you're talking about six, two and a half, 32 plus inch arms, four, four type of athlete, potentially, that he could definitely make that rise. He needs to be more consistent. He needs to, you know, just kind of play play more consistently to his size down the field, you know, at the catch point and do all that type of stuff. But the talent is certainly there. So the NFL already likes Cam Hart. And if he takes a step up, then yeah, I absolutely think so. Here's a here, D troll hunter coming with some comedy relief time for hard hitting questions. Ryan, who is your favorite New Jersey recruit of all time? I think I know the answer to this, but I could be wrong. Is So I might be, this might be a dumb question. Is Brian Cushing from New Jersey? Isn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, that's probably it then. I used to love Brian Cushing growing up, man. He, even though he went that makes sense USC, now because he was a linebacker and he was. Did you crazy. also do steroids or no? No, okay, I just that's wanted, just a Brian I, Cushing I, thing. Okay, I just wanted to <laughs> smash somebody's face mask right. with my with no helmet on. That's what I wanted to I do. I thought you were going to say Jonathan Taylor. I really did. Yeah. Now, I, really I mean, did. Jonathan Taylor is the best that I've ever seen. In but that person. wasn't the question. The question was favorite. Correct. You answered yes. it correctly. Yeah. Uh, yep. Brian, could you throw a football over the mountain? Yes, if I was able to get started near the top of the mountain. So you didn't say where I'd have to throw it from. But yes, if I could go to the top of the mountain, I could throw it over top of the mountain. Yes. And no, Vince did not apply for the Notre Dame baseball coach position. So <laughs> <Should I>? uh, <laughs> thank you, Detroit Honor. We needed the comedic relief today. DMND13, who do you think is more likely to make the college football playoff, Utah or an ACC team other than Clemson? So ACC other than Clemson. So, so we're thinking Miami's of the world, right? Wake, like I, NC State, Miami, I, teams I like that. You, I think Utah is more likely than any of those teams. I, I mean, I saw somebody that had – I think I think it might have been Mike Farrell that had Miami in his, in his early college football playoff thing or something. I'm just like – Based on what? What are we basing that on? Right? Like I, the I need think for clicks. Yeah, I think I started a new company. I need to get clicks to have right. people. It's a very yeah. fair point. It's a very fair point. I mean, I, I, I do. I, I've talked about this a bunch. I do like the hires they made this offseason. I do think Miami can get to a pretty good spot, but like this year, nah, I'm not buying into that. So Utah, I, I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you, Brian. Like I don't think Utah is going to be as good as they were last year, but. If that's my options, them or an ACC team other than Clemson, I'll probably take Utah because at least I've seen it, you know? Right. Utah for me. Be mine. I just – I don't see it. I think that Utah is going to have the stronger reputation. They've been on the cusp before. Well coached. Yeah, Yeah. well coached. Tough, physical uh, schedule that, that, you know, 
I mean, Utah's schedule this year, I guess part of it depends on how you think the Big 12 or the Pac-12 is going to be this year. You know, do you think you think USC is going to be a team that is going to give them the kind of win needed, uh, that type of thing? But the reality is, is if Utah is 12 and one and has a season opening win at Florida, right? Mm-hmm. That's that kind of statement win. And I don't think Florida is going to be great this year. But I think Florida is going to be decent this year. I think they're going to be a, a good team. They're going to bounce back from last year. They're not going to be SEC title game good, but they're going to be a good team, eight, nine win team, I think at least. Sure. And if Utah beats them, then that's a big out of conference win. You know, then you'd have a win over USC. Uh, win at UCLA, hopefully, and and at or so between at UCLA, USC, at Arizona State, and then at Oregon, you you've got to win all but one of those. Uh, I don't think a Pac-12 champ has to go undefeated to get in. I think what would hurt them, however, is if they lose to Florida and then run the table. There's going to be the perception all year of the Pac-12 sucks. You played one at a good out of conference team. It's probably the fifth best team in the SEC, and you got beat. Sure. Right. I think if they get upset by like UCLA in late September, early October, but they beat Florida, beat USC, beat Oregon on the road, and they go win the big, you know, big Pac-12 championship, I think I think not only could they get in, they'd have a legitimate arg- argument to get in. You mm-hmm. know, I just have a hard time because for a ACC team to get to that point, that means Clemson's not that good. Right. And and then like, who who would you who would your argument be like? You know, so I think those are some of the things I look at, Ryan. I just don't know because of the per- – I mean, look, the reality is perception is reality sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if there's anyone uh, in in the ACC that that would have the kind – I mean, I'll be honest with you. They're the, the only teams that I think would have a chance to have the kind of schedule to get you that point are not teams that I think are playoff caliber teams. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm thinking of like Boston College. They got to right. play at NC State. They got to play Clemson. Got to play at Florida State, at Virginia Tech, at Wake Forest, at Notre Dame. It's a tough if schedule. BC's man. twelve and one at the end of the year, and one of their wins is late in the year at Notre Dame. They would have an argument. I just don't think that's possible. I don't think they're going to sure. be that kind of team. I don't think they have the talent. All those other type of things. So you know, you you look at other teams like Wake Forest's non-conference schedule is embarrassing. VMI at Vanderbilt in Liberty. That's their non-conference schedule. Unless they're they're 13 and 0, which they're not going to be, they're not getting in, you know? So NC state's non-conferences at East Carolina, Charleston, Southern, Texas tech, and Yukon. Like that's just, uh, that's bad. Oh, I'm sorry. I left one of wake Forest's non-conference games off. They play four in the ACC. I left off army. My bad. Right. So that's the thing is a lot of these teams that they that could be contenders play joke non-conference schedules. NC State, ECU, Charleston Southern, Texas Tech, UConn. So let's say NC State goes 11 and one in the regular season, loses to Clemson and then plays Clemson in a rematch and goes 12 and one beats Clemson. Clemson would have probably at least two losses on their schedule. Right. And mm-hmm. and and so then the Clemson loss has lost some luster. Right. So then you look at it and say, how does that schedule, that non-conference stack up to a Utah non-conference? Well, they have a win at Florida. Right. right like, right. you know, so I don't want to hear any complaining from the ACC this year if their champion has a loss because there isn't one other than Clemson. If Clemson beats Notre Dame 
if mm-hmm. Clemson goes uh, goes twelve and one and beats Notre Dame, let's say they lose to Wake Forest or BC, September twenty fourth against Wake at Wake or October eighth at BC, and then they still run the table and go twelve and one, Clemson has a playoff resume because they would have a win over the other team at Florida State, Miami, South Carolina, and they would have a win at Notre Dame. Right. If they go twelve and one and their only losses to Notre Dame, then I don't think that's a playoff resume. I'm sorry, it just. So, you know, the ACC is kind of screwing itself over. I mean, I guess you could argue that maybe, you know, the only other team that plays, in my opinion, le- that is a, the legitimate non-conference schedule is Florida State because they play Florida and LSU, but they're not going to go – they're not going to go 12-1 this year. So, uh, yeah, that's the other thing is I just think the, the ACC schedules this year for the top teams are just a, a joke, an absolute joke for the non-conference. I- I just, I just hope Florida State takes a little step this year, man. They've I do just too. Not been good. I just hope they're a solid team this year. I, I actually want Florida State, Miami to to take a step forward this year. I really yeah. do. I think it's, I think it's good for college football for them to be good. I do. I think it's yep. good for Notre Dame for them to be good because number one, those teams are on the schedule in coming years, so it mm-hmm. gives you quality wins. But number two, those teams start recruiting like they used to. That's that many more players that aren't going to Bama and Georgia and. Teams like that. So, yes, it's good for Notre Dame when the, this talent is spread out because Notre Dame is still going to get theirs, right? It's right. just they're going to hurt those teams even more than they're going to hurt Notre Dame, in my opinion. 100%. 100%. So, very, very good questions. We have some great questions. That's why this show is three hours long and it feels like we're an hour deep. Uh, Chris <laughs> Davison, where would you put the over-under on Notre Dame players that make it to the NFL next year? This is drafted or undrafted. So, current Notre Dame players, not – like all former Notre Dame players, right? So just from this year's team that okay. make it to the NFL, make an NFL team next year, drafted or undrafted. He said it at over, uh, the, he said at eight and a half, right? So, what would you say, Ryan? So I'm I'm just working through the list in my head. So Brandon Joseph potentially, Cam Hart potentially, Isaiah Foskey obviously, Jason Adam and Lola. Justin has a sh- well. Justin will definitely play in the NFL. He maybe won't get drafted, but he'll definitely play in the NFL. JD Bertrand's a tough one. I don't know if he'll be in the draft. So that's right. where this conversation comes in. So I'm gonna leave him off for now. Uh, Jared Patterson is one. Josh Luggle gets signed as a UDFA, if nothing else. That's it on the offensive line, and then wide receiver Brain Lindsey will get a shot. Avery Davis will get a shot. So that's nine right there. So I'm going over mm-hmm. for guys that are going to get a shot at the NFL at worst. That's not yeah, including go- J.D. Bertrand or, right. you know. I- I'm going Chris over Tyree because, like you said, I, you know, part of it depends. I, I'm my, my over is also assuming that Avery Davis is fully healthy. Sure. Because I think he'll make a team, whether it's seventh round draft pick, sixth round draft pick or whatever. Uh, between him or Brayden Lindsey, one of those two will make a team. Right. Sure. Is that fair? Yeah. Then you've got that's one. Then you got Michael Mayer, Jarrett Patterson. I, I forgot I forgot Mayer. So that's yeah. 10 that I yeah. had. Yeah. So one of the receivers, Michael Mayer, Jarrett Patterson, Isaiah Foskey, the Adamiolas, both of them, Cam Hart, mm-hmm. Brandon Joseph gets you to eight. So then you need yeah. either Lug or Houston Griffith or DJ Brown or, or Maris or to go out early or Bo Bauer or JD yeah. Bertrand or somebody like that to make a team. And mm-hmm. I certainly think that's possible. Certainly think that's possible. So, yes, I would go over. Now, again, not all those guys are going to be high draft picks, but as far as just making an NFL team, yes. Yes. And and if and if if 
Braden Lindsay is just good this year. I, I he makes a team. I think you know. I mean, I'd be sure. surprised. Talented and then Avery, enough. Yeah, and Avery Davis is just about health. So that, if, that's the key. Especially if we include the practice squad, because then we're I mean, that's a whole different animal, right? Right. So. Right. Because that's technically being on a team, right? I mean, that's kind of how I looked you're at on it. The, you're on the team. Yeah. You're practice every day, hundred percent. Got another question here. If Tobias Merriweather beats out Deion Colsey and Jaden Thomas, how would you view that? I know is dependent, but but is it more of a sign that Tobias Merriweather is great or that the sophomores are struggling? It, it can be both. Yeah. But I would hope, again, that it's that Tobias Merriweather is just too good to keep off the field. Yeah. If but. he's starting, it's got to be about him breaking out unless Avery Davis just isn't eligible to play because he's injured. Because right. if he's starting and you've got Lindsey, Styles, and Avery Davis plus the sophomores, the other sophomores, man, I, I got to think that that means Tobias just broke out. Now, I think that Tobias breaking out, it would also mean that Dion didn't have a similar breakout. Because if he had a similar breakout, I still think Dion would start because he's a year older and a more natural boundary. And if Tobias also broke out, then I would want Tobias to be able to move around more and he would play some but yeah i think it would say more about tobias than it would the other way around yep jay henry asks in other news who's a current player or prospect that all of all or two of you have a very different opinion of so now it's just the two of us Mm -hmm. so is there anybody a player or prospect that you and i have a very different opinion of so i i don't running back i think we're pretty much on the same page receiver um, I'd be with Dion. We have similar opinion of Dion Colsey. Uh, I think yeah. maybe maybe JD Bertrand, perhaps. Yeah, I guess so. I guess. Yeah, I, I think guess that's I'm a little, one. I guess I'm a little lower on JD. Than yeah. You are. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think we we have a different opinion on his athletic athletic skills as well. Uh, I think it probably the first on the possible head because we we, I mean, a lot of this is we we have difference of opinions to degrees on a lot of players, sure. but we're still on the same page, right? We, you know. He may think someone's a top 10 pick. I think he's more of a top 20 pick, but we both think the guy's really good type of stuff. Right. Uh, I, I don't think we have a, a strong difference of opinion on a lot of other guys that we've really dove into at this point in time. So what about recruits? Is there like a recruit that we have a really strong difference was, of opinion on? It, it was Jaden Greathouse, but good I think degree, we've kind yeah. of come a little yeah. closer together on that one yeah. than we were. Um, yeah, and there's a couple guys that 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 I was higher on early than you, and you've kind of come around as well. Right. I'd say right now, would it be fair to say also Novasad right now? A little bit, yeah. I mean, you're yeah. you're 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 higher than him on him yeah. than I am. I'll be fully yep. yep transparent about that. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's a good player. Just right, we both know. like him, both want yeah. him to get him, but just difference of opinions on how good he can be. Sure. Michael S says, shouldn't we fault Coach Washington's loss of defensive end Jason Mortal Ohio State? This was a litmus test for his effectiveness in coaching high-grade recruits. Michael, by the sheer definition of what you're asking, yes, because he lost Jason Moore. I, I just I I guess I'm a little uncomfortable with the term fault him mm-hmm. because you're gonna lose kids. The best recruiters in the country are gonna lose kids because Notre Dame also beat. Larry Johnson in Ohio State for Brendan Vernon, a guy that they wanted, right? And so, look, every every recruiter, Nick Saban's going to lose guys. Alabama's going to lose guys. Georgia's going to lose guys. Ohio State's going to lose guys. Notre Dame's going to lose guys. So you're going to have some losses. I don't think a singular player is necessarily a litmus test at a position where you have multiple guys. Because otherwise I'd say, okay, well, 
you know, I mean, he, he did get Bubakar. He did that. I think the thing that hurts Al Washington is because he didn't get Keon Keeley because he wasn't here yet. Right. So I, I understand it. I think for me, where I would question Coach Washington as a, as a recruiter would be if he doesn't get Jason Moore and loses Keon Keeley when it's all said and done. That's fair. That would be where I'd say that's a bad first year with all due respect. You know? Yeah. Because, Those because are the two I, dudes. Those are the yeah. two elite players that you'd and, have. And, and to the point with the timing of everything, he comes into the fold with Keon Kelly already aboard. So part right. of his job is also to don't screw him. it up. Exactly. Don't screw it up. hundred percent. hundred percent. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I'm just not there yet. I just think, I think they did a great job recruiting him. I think the issues that Notre Dame had with Jason Moore were not necessarily related to Al Washington. I think they were related to more just uh, there were aspects of Ohio state that just, I don't think Notre Dame could overcome, but here's the thing about me is what, what's going to frustrate me with coach Washington is if I find out he is not recruiting Jason Moore anymore. If, if I found that out, cause like, Hey, people are still recruiting Keon. Why'd you stop recruiting Jason Moore? That would be the only thing I would find fault in, to be honest with you. Like there's some guys that they've lost on what they've stopped recruiting. I'm like, fine. Stop recruiting not Rodney Gallagher. With what I know of that situation, totally fine with that, right? Mm-hmm. Stop recruiting Carnell Tate. I'm actually okay with that, right? But there's some other guys where it's like I'd still recruit that guy if I'm if I'm them, and right. you know we'll see if it if it works out or not. Bart Adams, hey from Southern Ontario, welcome our Canadian friend. Not often I catch you guys live. In a previous show, you mentioned Notre Dame had a good record with a bad team. What is giving you more confidence about this year's team? This is a great follow-up question because this is something that came out yesterday. And I believe it was yesterday's show, right? And the thing that we had said was, and Ryan, I don't know if I gave you a chance to comment on this, but I made the comment that I thought that I don't think Notre Dame fans understand how bad of a team Notre Dame was last year. And when I'm referring to, there are different aspects that defined your quality as a team. There's talent. There's coaching, there's fundamentals, there's strength and conditioning, there's all there's your ability to respond to adversity, your leadership. And in a lot of those areas, Notre Dame was not good last year. I think they responded to adversity pretty well. Sure. I think they had decent leadership last year, but I thought at some spots, but I thought fundamentally they were a poor team, even early in the year on both sides of the ball. I thought the offensively, the, as a team, I thought they lacked physicality as a team. I think they lacked toughness as a team. As good as the defense was down the stretch, they still didn't tackle very well. They still gave up too many big plays. Their special teams was mediocre last year. And yet they still went 11-1 and because they had one thing going for them. They were talented. Sure. And to me, what gives me confidence, Bart, and this is a great question, and, and Ryan, and, and I'd like for you to respond to what I'm about to say. The reason that I think Notre Dame should be considered a playoff contender is because the talent is even better than it was last year because of some guys that have arrived, some some guys that have left, to be honest with you. Uh, we're going to see big improvements from a talent standpoint. In other areas, we're not going to see an improvement in talent, but we're going to see improvement in character and leadership. But also there's some young guys that are now going into year two that we think can be really good. But the other part of it is, even though I expect the talent to be better, it's not going to be astronomically better. The difference is going to be, I have a, I think this is going to be a really good 
coaching staff. Better special teams, way better line coaching, way better receiver coaching. The two losses you had on offense and the one loss you had on defense that you didn't necessarily foresee, Mike Elson leaving, John and uh, John McNulty leaving, and Lance Taylor leaving, you at the very least equaled those coaches and perhaps improved. And then you significantly upgraded special teams, O-line, and receiver. And I think that even though you lost your D coordinator, which was the best aspect of your team last year, you replaced him with someone that I have confidence is going to do a good job. Now, we need to see it, as I said. But sure. that, to me is the reason why I think this team is going to be good. They are way more talented than I think people realize, and they're actually going to be coached this year. There are not many teams that could have played the way Notre Dame played last year almost the entire year and still gone 11-1 and in regular season. Like Even some of the games they won late in the year, right? they didn't play well. They just were way better than the team. They played like crap against North Carolina. Had a 95-yard touchdown run on a play where the guy get hit four yards behind the line of scrimmage. Why'd they win? Because Kyron Williams is better than anybody I have on defense, and so is Michael Mayer. Because you go watch the block he had down the field, block like two guys on the play. That's why they went 11 1. They had way better players than everybody they played against, including Cincinnati. Not way better than Cincinnati, but I'd say that they had better players top to bottom. But the difference is Cincinnati was better coached and had could is the one team that they played in the regular season that could match them at the top. That would that's what I would say. Ryan, what's your response to that? Yeah, I, the last thing that you said is the most important thing to me. It's the coaching, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's the because I am just I mean I've been consistent with this, right? Like I, talent has never been a problem at Notre Dame, and I mm-hmm. especially don't think it's a problem right this second. Like there's been problem at spots, but like an overall perspective, it's a really t- talented roster. And when you have a wide receiver group that's going to be coached better, when you have an offensive line group that's going to be coached better, I mean I just don't understand how you don't think that they're going to be improved just overall from a coaching. I mean it's. It's hard to imagine the wide receiver position being worse than it was last year, if I'm right. being completely honest, right? Like, I, I would be shocked if the wide receiver level was not at a much higher rate. So mm-hmm. the fact of that, and then you mentioned, like, you know, you lost your defense coordinator. Well, he's still on the staff, though, right? So he can still have some right. inflection into what you're doing, right? Like, it's still philosophy perspective. There's still going to be an inflex of what Marcus Freeman wants to do. So... I think the coaching is the biggest thing for me. You have a lot of talent. You're going to be a better team than last year because you're going to be better coached at positions that really matter, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yep, agree. Very, very good answer. HB Badger, story time with Uncle Brian. Hearing the T. Shepard and Denbrock story yesterday, what was the best recruiting story win and worst recruiting story loss under the BK era? I'd have to, I would have to chalk up. So here's the crazy story. So the craziest win story had to involve Aaron Lynch. And so what happened there basically was, and there's a lot I can't share, but essentially Florida State was so panicked about Notre Dame that they screwed up. If they would have just said, hey, if they just would have chilled and been like, guys, we're fine. Let's just remind Aaron why he's coming. He would have come. They did some, they started like bad mouthing Notre Dame. One of their coaches told him, you can't make it academically at Notre Dame, which really pissed Aaron off. And then they went behind his mom's back and they worked with someone close to him. I won't say who. And when he was in uh, in San Antonio for the for the Army game and the rumblings about Notre Dame started to come, they went because he was going to be an early enrollee at Florida State. They went and changed his flight without his permission or his mom's permission to try to fly him from San Antonio to, to Tallahassee. Uh, for uh, to, to enroll there 
And when that got found out, it really upset his mom and it really upset Aaron. And they just started saying things to him to try to negative recruit against Notre Dame as opposed to just reminding him why he was going to Florida State. And when they started doing that, that like really crushed it for him. And there was a lot of things that I I just I can't share to be just completely honest with you about the situation even now. But they I mean, that there was a lot of craziness in that recruitment. I mean, just a lot of craziness. So that was probably the best win because it was just watching Florida State implode. You know, and you had Notre Dame coaches up in the hotel room. It was like Diaco and Chuck Martin and Brian Kelly and Mike Denbrock and like all these Tony Alford, all these Notre Dame coaches were up there. And, you know, they're, they're talking to him and, and all this and they're selling their pitches and it was working, but I still think he would have picked Florida State if they just didn't act so insanely. I mean, it was just, it was like, you you know, just you can't make it academically in Notre Dame. Like that's going to inspire a kid to, you know, want to, want to sign with you because you told him he's too dumb to go to Notre Dame. Like you didn't know Aaron Lynch very well if you thought that was going to work. You go behind his back to try to change his flight so his mom couldn't, he couldn't go home to see his mom. You don't know Aaron Lynch if you thought that was going to work. And and so that was just a really, really wild story. Uh, the worst is honestly, I could, it's hard. It's because it's Ronald Darby. It's Jalen McMillan. It's Lathan Ransom. It's just, it's a dozen dudes I could just list that you lost because you didn't work, right? Why did they lose Ronald Darby? Because the guy that was recruiting him stopped talking to him, just stopped responding. It was just like every now and then would reach out. And then when he got called on it, tried to kind of go back and change the narrative a little bit because he knew he was going to get in trouble. Like they blew it. It wasn't that Florida State came in and offered him money. It's like Notre Dame just stopped engaging with the kid. And the head coach had no idea until it was too late. It's just, I could tell you dozens of stories like that. Like I had a coach tell me, he's like, if Kelly would have just picked up the phone and called Jalen McMillan just one time, right, towards the, towards the end, they, they thought they were going to get him. I could tell you a ton of stories like that. And it was just all the guys you missed, not because of money or academics, because you didn't work and your head coach didn't hold people accountable. And your head coach didn't work, which is why he didn't hold people accountable in recruiting. There's so many stories like that. It's why I am not surprised at all that Notre Dame's recruiting like they are right now because they're working. Kids have always wanted to go to Notre Dame. It's just you didn't give them a reason to, and now you have some. Now you are. So th- those those would be my negative stories. But, yeah, it just – Ronald Darby probably takes the cake because he so wanted to be at Notre Dame. It's just about, like, he didn't feel like they wanted him because they just stopped talking to him. And it was so talented. You know, just allowed Florida State to kind of get in there and convince him that it's where he wanted to be. So – there's a lot of sad stories like that, to be honest with you. A lot of sad stories like that.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.